In Revelation chapter 20, we are not going to have a Father's Day message. We're going to go right into the book of Revelation. I've only got two Sundays to finish this. My goal is to finish this before our conference starts so that you'll have a good foundation underneath you in the book of Revelation and prophecy in general. And so these next three chapters, 20, 21, and 22, all go together. They happen basically at the same time. Okay? And so today, Sunday, and next Sunday, we're going to try to finish it. So we'll be covering a lot of territory. I've got about 120 scripture references that I'll be making reference to today and next week. And you want to write these down because we won't have time to go through them in, into the Word of God, open our Bibles, and, and read every scripture. Uh, I have entered them into my computer, and I'm going to read them to you, and I'm going to teach you as we go through these scriptures. But you may want to write these down. If you want a copy of them, I've got them all typed out. All right? And you can get a copy from us. So however you want to do it, if you want to write them or you want a copy of them, that's fine, okay? Revelation chapter 20. Uh, we're going to begin uh, this uh, last section, finishing the book of Revelation, and we're going to call this the Millennium and Beyond. The Millennium and Beyond. Amen. Not infinity and beyond, but the Millennium and Beyond. Okay, I believe this is really going to bless you as we complete the book of Revelation. Now, in teaching this, I'm not saying you necessarily have to agree with the sequence of events or the time that they're going to take place, but if you want to be right, you'll agree with me. <laughs> Obviously, I'll say that joking, okay? Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. Say with me, and I saw. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set up a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. That's where we get the word, minimum, thousand years, okay? And after that, he must be loosed a little season. At the end of that thousand years, and I saw, say again, and I saw, and I saw, and I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, a millennium. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, okay? Go to chapter 21. And I saw, verse 1, say with me, and I saw. And I saw. A new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Night John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay, amen? Chapter 22. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the land. Now go to Zechariah 14. <clears throat> Zechariah chapter 14, the Old Testament. Verse 
How many of all have ever heard the kingdom age, uh, something called the kingdom age of the millennium? Thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth. You ever heard of that? That's what we're talking about this morning. Chapter 14, verse 1, you're going to see the sequence of events. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. This, is, this thing, the day of the Lord, is, is a subject that is heavily talked about in Scripture. The day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, or the Gentiles, as when he fought in the day of battle. So the day of the Lord is when he goes to fight what we commonly call the battle of Armageddon. Really, though, it is a war of Armageddon. I will just call it the war. In Jewish mindset, they call it the battle of Gog and Magog. All right? So anyway, the day of the Lord is that one day when he comes back to fight uh, what we know as the battle of Armageddon. Okay. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. There shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee in the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Isaiah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. So when he comes back to fight the battle of Armageddon, Okay, in the day of the Lord, which is post-tribulational. He stands on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives splits in two. And those living Israelites, not the 144,000, but those living Israelites, at that time that the Battle of Armageddon is about to take place, will flee into a place of protection. Verse 6, It shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall... Be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. So it's going, it's one day. It is a 24-hour day when you talk about the day of the Lord, all right? And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer, in winter shall it be, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. So following this war... Then he sets up his earthly kingdom. Okay? Say, in that day. At the time of the day of the Lord, okay? He shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Get it? He's going to be king over all the earth, right? So this is the kingdom age. In Revelation 20, it tells us it's a thousand years in length. Verse 10, all the land shall be turned as a plain from Gibba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. It shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place. When the destruction of the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon takes place, Jerusalem is going to be divided into three parts, and all the mountains are going to be leveled. It's going to be flattened, and it's going to be a great destruction. But when he sets up the kingdom, then he will lift those mountains up again, specifically Mount Zion or Zion. 
Okay, the Bible says, uh, let me start in verse 10 again. The land shall be turned as a plain from Gibeah to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. It shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. And this is the kingdom age we're reading about, after the day of the Lord, after that time of destruction. Verse 12, This shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people, that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. And again, that is that battle of Armageddon or the war. Now, by the way, this brings you to the end of the 30th day. Do you remember? The tribulation period has ended. There's 30 days that have taken place. When you get to the battle of Armageddon, that completes the 30 days beyond the tribulation period. Okay? The battle of Armageddon. When the Lord, uh, in the, in the, there's a 45-day period after that that the Lord begins to restore things. And then He sets up the kingdom, okay, at that time. And He rules in the kingdom age after that 45-day period. Okay? You with me up to this point? And I'll cover that some this morning so you'll understand more. But anyway, the day of the Lord brings you to the end of a 30-day period of time beyond this seven-year tribulation period. The 45-day period is when He's restoring things. Okay? And at the end of the 45-day period, the first day of the kingdom age is when He sets and reigns. And that's when He binds Satan for the thousand years. Okay, the Bible says in verse 13, It shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. They shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. Now, of course, we're talking about here the battle of Armageddon. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. And so shall be the plague of the horses of the mule, of the camel, of the asses, and of all beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. It shall come to pass that everyone that is left, left of all nations, they have survived the battle of Armageddon or the day of the Lord. It shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep what? The Feast of Tabernacles. So the, so the Feast of Tabernacles is the kingdom age, fulfilled in the kingdom age. Got it? It shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth and Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So in this thousand-year kingdom age, there is going to be a taint of sin, a taint of evil, a taint of disobedience. It's very important for you to understand that, okay? That's why he is going to have to rule with the rod of iron even in the kingdom age. Okay, you with me here? Uh, so the Bible says, uh, verse no, uh, 17, there'll be no rain for people who don't go up and worship the Lord in Jerusalem uh, to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 18, and if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. 
So there's going to be Gentiles in there, right? And people who are disobedient. Who are these people? Well, these that are the children of the offspring are the offspring of those who entered into the kingdom of God. Verse 19, these shall be, this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the face of tabernacles. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and Judea, Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see therein. And in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. So in that particular chapter then, we read to you the day of the Lord following that destruction of the battle of Armageddon, the day of the Lord. We see the setting up of the kingdom of God. We see restoration taking place and God's reigning as a king there. And we see what is happening during that thousand year reign is people are going up to worship God. Whoever doesn't go up to worship God and keep the Feast of Tabernacles is smitten with a plague or judged and their land is not, there's no rain that comes upon them. Okay, so are you with me up to this point? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your awesome word today. We ask God that you would inspire me, anoint me to be able to bring this God in a way that people can understand it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, what I'm going to do is, as I flow into chapter 20, chapter 20 gives you five I saws. Chapter 20 and 21, five I saw, and 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 I saw. Very important, because those words are taking place on the first day of the kingdom age. The first day of the kingdom age. There is a lot going on the first day of the kingdom age. But I've got to flow in with you before the kingdom age is ever set up. And I've got to show you what happens before that. Okay? Revelation chapter 19. It says this in verse 11. And I saw the heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat thereon called faithful and true and in righteousness... He doth judge and make war. This is what I read to you about in Zechariah 14. This is when the Lord comes back and fights at the battle of Armageddon. Okay? So look up with, here with me at this chart. Maybe this will help you understand. If you can see this chart. This is depicting the seven years of tribulation. Okay? At the end of the seven-year tribulation period, there's a 30-day period. At the end of that 30-day period, you have the Battle of Armageddon. When Jesus comes back, stands on the Mount of Olives, and fights the Battle of Armageddon. At the fighting of the Battle of Armageddon, that ends the 30 days beyond the tribulation period. After the Battle of Armageddon, then you've got 45 days where there's a restoration period taking place. And then you have the Lord setting up as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the Kingdom Age. Okay? And the first day of the Kingdom Age, you have certain things that are happening. I mean, a lot is happening. A lot is happening. But remember, He is God. So if He can say, let there be, a, you know, let there be and create things with just a word, universes with just a word, it's not a problem for God to do these things in a short period of time. Okay? 
But what we see in Revelation 19 then, we see the Lord coming back to fight, coming back with the saints to fight at the battle of Armageddon. Now, the bowls of wrath on this chart are seen at the end of the tribulation period, but actually the bowls of wrath should be placed beyond the seven-year tribulation period. Seven bowls of wrath. This is the worldwide wrath of God, the bowls of wrath. But this battle of Armageddon is the day of the Lord. Do you understand that? Okay. The bowls of wrath then, what happens when the Lord comes back and sounds the seventh trumpet? In the seventh trumpet, right there, are these seven bowls of wrath. At the seventh trumpet, that's when we receive a glorified body. And that's when we have the resurrection of some of the dead. Okay? But just because we get a glorified body and there's a resurrection that takes place doesn't mean that that's when we're caught up. We are protected from the wrath of God, the bowls of wrath, which are post-tribulational because we have a glorified body. And then, okay, you with me here? We are caught up to meet the Lord, the parousia, after the bowls of wrath are poured out, okay, but before the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon, caught up to meet him. Now, Revelation 19, we are seen coming back with him, right? Revelation 19, 11, now I saw the heavens open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat thereon was called faithful and true, in righteousness he does judge and make war, and it talks about the armies that are coming back with him. Now, if the armies that are coming back with him, if that's the church, that means at some point we were caught up to meet the Lord in the air, right? The sounding of the trumpet caught up to meet him in the air. And because he's coming back with many crowns, it seems most likely that we have already received our reward in the heavens. And we've cast our crowns at his feet. And now he's coming back seen, coming back seen with many crowns upon his head with the saints of God to fight the battle of Armageddon. Revelation 14 shows you the, the destruction of Babylon, right? Then we saw the harvest of the church, and then we saw the day of the Lord. Okay. Now, to make it even more confusing for you, the Lord is coming back here then when I read Revelation 19.11 to fight the battle of Armageddon. Okay? I've got a lot of scripture I've got to cover with you today. Now, this time that, that we see him coming back brings you to that 30, 30th day beyond the tribulation period when the battle of Armageddon is fought. And again, the battle of Armageddon is post-tribulational. The day of the Lord is post-tribulational. Okay? It is the day of his wrath, worldwide wrath upon the nations. Okay? Matthew 13, 39. Let me give you this verse. The parables that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 13. He says this. And the enemy that sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. So what we have here at the battle of Armageddon is we have a, a reaping or a, or a harvest of the wicked. 
a reaping or a harvest of the wicked. And it takes place at the end of the age, connected with the day of the Lord. All right? It's the day of the battle of Armageddon. Verse 40. As therefore the terrors are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be in the end of the age. So this is when he comes back and he burns the wicked with consuming fire and consuming judgment. So that when they're standing there, Zechariah 14, we saw it, they're standing there and the eyes in their sockets melt out of their heads before they ever hit the ground. And their flesh is literally melted off of their bodies before they ever hit the ground. I'm talking about the wicked here. This is when Jesus comes back in the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon. Okay? And he burns up the wicked. They're called the tares. It's connected with the end of the age. Okay? Now, he goes on and he says in verse 42, He will cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I assure you this will literally take place. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it talks about this day of the Lord coming of Jesus. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief. Okay? So this is his thief in the night coming. Many pre-tribulational teachers will say, that the thief in the night coming of the Lord is when he comes and secretly takes the church out before the tribulation period begins. But according to my Bible, it says that the day of the Lord is his thief in the night coming. Okay? And when he comes back in his thief in the night coming, he comes back to destroy the wicked, but he comes back to gather the righteous or to save the righteous. And so it's post-tribulational, not pre-tribulational. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall be dissolved with fervent heat and the earth, amen, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You talk about fiery wrath and judgment of God. It's when he comes back in his day of the Lord coming. Of course, it's preceded by those bowls of wrath. And then he's seen coming back in great judgment to fight the, what we call the war or the battle of Armageddon. 2 Thessalonians 1.7. So this is his thief in the night coming. It's post-tribulational. 2 Thessalonians 1.7. And to you that are, are afflicted, rest with us at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with the angels of his power in flaming fire. Okay. So this is when he comes back. It's a revelation of Jesus, the revealing of Jesus. And he comes back in flaming fire, but he promises the people of God, he says, to rest. Because you're going to be protected from that wrath. You're going to be protected from that fiery judgment, those bowls of wrath. Even though we're upon the earth, we'll still be protected because we've got a glorified body. And the way we'll be protected from the battle of Armageddon wrath is because we've been caught up. So we can rest in that promise. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 It says, Rendering vengeance to them that know not God 
and to them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is when he's coming back in fiery vengeance. And who's he going to bring this vengeance on? Those that don't know God and to them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1.9, it says, Who shall suffer punishment, even eternal destruction, from the face of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Verse 9. Did I read that to you? Yeah. Okay, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, touching the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto Him. Okay, when Jesus comes back at the day, listen, very carefully, you need to hear this. When he comes back, post-tribulational, when he comes back at the day of the Lord, that is when he catches us up to meet him in the air. Okay, the same time he comes back to, to catch us up to meet him in the air is the same time he destroys the Antichrist at the Armageddon battle. You with me here? Okay. Second Thessalonians 2, and now we beseech you, the, uh, brethren, touching the coming of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, and are gathering together unto him, Episanago, to be gathered upward. So when we're caught up. Verse 2, to the end that you be not quickly shaken from your mind, nor yet be troubled either by spirit or by word or by epistle as from us, that the day of the Lord is just at hand. Got it? See, they thought that they were living in the time when the day of the Lord, they thought maybe they were in the day of the Lord or the day of the Lord was at hand. And Paul, so Paul gives them signs that precede the day of the Lord. One of the signs that precede the day of the Lord is the rise of Antichrist in the tribulation period and the great falling away or apostasy in the, great, in the tribulation period. But those signs precede the day of the Lord. So that they can't be the day of the Lord. The tribulation period can't be the day of the Lord if what is happening in the tribulation period precedes the day of the Lord. Okay? Amen. Let no man beguile you in any wise, for it will not be except the falling away come first, the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. He give you specific signs that lets you know what precedes the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord. You understand? Coming to the Lord, day of the Lord, same, same time frame. With me here? Same, same thing. Day of the Lord, coming to the Lord, same event. But it's preceded by the, the Antichrist and what else? Great falling away. Okay, now watch. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8, And then shall be revealed the lawless one, whom the Lord shall slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to naught by the manifestation of his coming. Amen. So then, the Bible says when he comes, when he perusias, what does he do? He gathers his elect. It also says that he, at his coming, or his perusia, same event, he destroys the Antichrist. Okay. Isaiah 34.1, this war that's going to be fought. Watch this. When he comes back to destroy the Antichrist, 
Of course, we've been caught up, so we are, we're protected from that. Verse 30, chapter 34, verse 1. Come near ye nations to hear and hearken, ye peoples. Let the earth hear and the fullness thereof, the world and all things that come forth from it. Verse 2, Isaiah 34. For the Lord hath indignation against all the nations. With me? His indignation against all nations and wrath against all their hosts. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. So this day of the Lord coming of Jesus is his worldwide wrath upon who? The nations. Not upon Israel. Israel has already gone through God's wrath the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. The bowls of wrath that are, that are pulled out after the tribulation period are upon the nations worldwide. And then when he comes back to fight the battle of Armageddon called the day of the Lord. At that time, Isaiah 34 says that it's his wrath or indignation on all nations. There's a difference, okay? I'm going to read to you again, 34.2. For the Lord hath indignation against all the nations and wrath against all their hosts. This is his searing indignation. This is his searing worldwide wrath. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. So this is a prophecy given about events that haven't yet taken place, but they are spoken of as if they've already happened. Because in God... It's a reality. Okay. 34.3. They're slain. And this is at that war. Also shall be cast out. And the stench of their dead bodies shall come up. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. So this is when he comes back and fights that world. It's that worldwide wrath. And I'm telling you mountains are going to melt in his presence. He's got so much glory. That the mountains are going to melt in his presence. And at that time when he comes back in that glory. That's when he consumes these nations who've come up against him. To fight against him in the day of the Lord. Okay with me here. I'm flowing into the kingdom here. Revelation 19 19. I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth. Their armies gathered together to make war against him. That sat upon the horse and against his army. Revelation 19, verse 20. The beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought the signs in his sight, wherewith he deceived them and had received the mark of the beast. And them that worshipped his image, these two were cast alive into the lake of fire that burneth with brimstone. A little bit different translation than your King James Version. So at the battle of Armageddon, when God comes back and pours out his wrath on these nations and on these armies... And that one day, at the end of that 30-day period, then he takes the false prophet and the Antichrist, those two beasts, and he throws them into the lake of fire alive. Okay? Verse 20, verse 21. And the rest were killed with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, even the sword which came forth out of his mouth, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Okay? Revelation 19, verse 7, it says this. Before that day of the Lord, wrath of God upon the nations, battle of Armageddon, 
You know it as the Battle of Armageddon. There has been a marriage that has already taken place. Verse 7 of chapter 19. I just got through reading to you the latter part of chapter 19 where we see the Battle of Armageddon. But before that happened, there was a marriage. Let us rejoice and be exceeding glad and let us give glory unto him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. So then the marriage is before his wrath at the battle of Armageddon. But it is connected to the day of the Lord. You with me here? Okay. Thank God we're going to be caught up and there's going to be a marriage that takes place before he comes back and pours out his wrath. The day of the Lord, battle of Armageddon. Daniel 2.43 it says, And whereas thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron doth not mingle with clay. And in the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, nor shall the sovereignty thereof be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. That verse tells us about the destruction of kingdoms and the setting up after that of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Daniel 7 verse 9. I'm moving into the kingdom. I beheld till thrones were placed and one that was ancient of days did sit. His raiment was white as snow, his hair, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames and the wheels thereof burning fire. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands of thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. Now beheld at that time because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and it was given to be burned with fire. Okay, you with me here? So in connection with the setting up of the kingdom of God, we have the destruction of the Antichrist. Is that correct? Okay, Revelation 19 verse 20. Again, making reference to the beast. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought the signs in his sight, wherewith he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. They too were cast alive into the lake of fire that burneth with brimstone. And we're going to see that after a thousand years, they're still in there. But, they, but this is uh, right before the thousand-year kingdom age starts. The Antichrist and the false prophet are cast in the lake of fire. Okay? That event takes place a thousand years before the great white throne judgment or the millennium. Are you all with me here? So what I'm trying to show you is that when Jesus comes back to the battle of Armageddon, he fights the battle of Armageddon, he destroys the nations. At that time, he takes the false prophet and the Antichrist, he casts them in the lake of fire on the first day of the millennium. Because the false prophet and the Antichrist are in the lake of fire for a thousand years. So he has to cast them into the lake of fire on the first day of the millennium. Okay? Which follows the day of the Lord of the battle of Armageddon. Now, the scripture says uh, in Isaiah 66, verse 20, 
There is going to be survivors of this battle that will enter into what is called the millennium or the kingdom age. Survivors. Can you imagine that? People that will survive it. Verse Israel, Israelites and Gentiles that will survive the battle of Armageddon. Okay? And some of them with the mark. And some of them without the mark. Okay? Very important for you to understand that. See, the battle of Armageddon doesn't, doesn't wipe everybody out that is all, that's evil. There are, there's a judgment that will follow. Okay, now I'll explain that to you in just a minute. Okay, Isaiah 66 verse 20. Some survivors. This is a surviving Gentile remnant. Survivors of the nations. Survivors of the battle of Armageddon. If you can imagine that. Isaiah 66, 20. They shall bring all your brethren out of all the nations for an oblation unto the Lord upon horses and in chariots and in litters and upon mules, upon dromedaries, that's camels, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, saith Jehovah, or the Lord. I don't like that translation, Jehovah. But saith the Lord, as the children of Israel bring their oblation in a clean vessel, into the house of Jehovah. So they're going to bring brethren out of all the nations. Or brethren out of the Gentiles. So there is a remnant of Gentiles that made it through the day of the Lord. And they are going to flock, flow to Jerusalem. The Bible says, upon horses, chariots, litters, mules, dromedaries, to my holy mountain Jerusalem. As the children of Israel bring their oblation in a clean vessel in the house of the Lord. So this is the surviving Gentile remnant that made it beyond the battle of Armageddon. Now watch this. 66 verse 21. And of them also will I take for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. So he is even going to take of the Gentile nations that survived the battle of Armageddon. He's going to take from them priest he's going to make gentiles priest and levite are you with me here who are these then they're the sheep they are the sheep that survived the battle of armageddon and the judgment called the throne of his glory judgment all right they are the sheep of the nations and i'll explain that to you as we go along more in detail but anyway, what I'm trying to show you is there will be survivors of that battle, Gentiles and Jewish survivors. Verse 63 says, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. We read that to you in Zechariah 14. Verse 24 of Isaiah 66 says, they shall go forth and look upon the dead bodies of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. So after the battle of Armageddon, those people who have survived the battle of Armageddon, or I'm just going to call it that war, all right? And survived his wrath, are going to be, look, they will be able to look and see 
at the, from a distance, they will see the destruction. They will look to the north and see corpses, dead corpses that were slain at the battle of Armageddon. They will be able to see it with their eyes. I'll read it to you again, verse 24. They shall go forth and look upon the dead bodies of the men that have transgressed against, against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. They shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Verse 2, Isaiah 2.2 2 says, And it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. So the Mount Zion that has been leveled will be raised higher than any other mountain so that the people that are called up there into that mountain to worship the Lord, those that are left, those that survived the battle of Armageddon, will be able to look to the left and see those dead corpses on that mountain. Okay? Y'all with me up to this point? And then to the south of Mount Zion... They will be able to look at Edom. Edom has been cursed by God. It will be judged. Edom. And it will be consumed by fire. And to the south, they will be able to see Edom in its destruction. This is Jeremiah 49, 17. And Edom shall become an astonishment. Everyone that passeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss at all the plagues thereof. So to the north of them, to the north of Mount Zion, the corpses of the battle of Armageddon, and then to the south of Mount Zion is Edom, and you'll see the destruction of Edom. Now, Edom is a memorial of what happens to all the wicked. It is a memorial of what happens to the Antichrist and to all people who are against God and His and God's people, okay? So... These scriptures that sometimes are difficult to understand in Isaiah about being able to see those, the flesh or the corpses there, this is just beyond the battle of Armageddon and just before the setting up of the kingdom of the Lord God, okay? Daniel 12, 11. Let me talk to you about this time frame. And from the time that the continual burnt offering shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Okay? So God gives you a time frame. He says there's going to be a time when the sacrifice is taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate is going to be set up. From that time, there's going to be twelve hundred and ninety days. Right? Verse 12. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. Now we've got thirteen hundred and thirty-five days. You've got twelve hundred and ninety days, and then he talks about people who make it to the thirteen hundred and thirty-fifth day. So you've got another forty-five days added to the twelve hundred and ninety days. He says, if you make it to that point, you are blessed. Because at that point, that's when the kingdom of God starts. You understand? But it sounds like we've got a co contradiction in other passages about the length of days. Because in Daniel 9.27, it says, 
And he shall make a firm covenant with many for one week. That seven-year tribulation period. Talking about the Antichrist. And in the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Okay? And upon the wings of abomination shall come one that maketh desolate. And even unto the full end, and that determined shall wrath be poured out upon the desolate. You with me here? Verse 26, Daniel 9, 26. And after three score and two weeks shall the anointed one be cut off, and he shall have nothing. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the sin in the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be the flood. And even unto the end shall be war. Desolations are determined. Now, let's look at another scripture. Let me back up here. Okay. Let me see if I can explain this to you. Okay, there is actually a 1260-day period of time from the time that the Antichrist sets up the abomination that maketh desolate in the temple. If I can get that verse for you. Look in your Bible to Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. Let's back up just a little bit and look at this. It's important to understand these times here. Daniel 12. Okay. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on the side of the bank of the river, the other on the, that side of the bank of the river. And one said of the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand, his left hand into heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, one year, times two years and a half. That's a half a year. One plus two and a half. Three and a half years. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. In that verse, it says it's three and a half years, or 1260 days, that brings you to the completion. Right? Go to Revelation 12. In verse 6. It says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and sixty days. When she flees to the wilderness is when the Antichrist goes into the city of Jerusalem and sets up the abomination that makes desolate. And it tells us in this verse here, chapter 12, verse 6, the woman fled in the wilderness where she hath the place prepared of God that she uh, should feed her there a thousand two hundred sixty days. So we've got twelve hundred sixty days there. And in Daniel 9, uh, 12... It says that it would be for a time, times, and a half a time that would bring you to the finish. That's 1,260 days. But then all of a sudden, I read to you here in Daniel chapter 12, it says that from the time that the, the sacrifice is taken away and the abomination that maketh death is set up, it says there's going to be a, uh, 
1,290 days. And then it talks about, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,335th day. So that adds another 75 days to that 1,260 days. See what I'm saying? So that 30-day period is when the bowls of wrath are being poured out. 30, day, 30 days beyond the tribulation period. Okay? 1260 days brings you from the middle of the tribulation period. The setting up of the abomination of desolation is in the middle of the tribulation period. 1260 days from that point brings you to the end of the seven-year tribulation period. But then there's another 30-day period added to it. That's when the bowls of wrath are poured out, and that's when the battle of Armageddon is fought. And then to that is added another 45 days, and that is the restoration period. And if you make it to, that, to the end of that 45-day period there, then you're blessed because you made it to the kingdom of God. You survived the battle of Armageddon. You survived the bowls of wrath. You've survived the battle of Armageddon. Come on. And you enter into the kingdom age with God. That's why you're blessed. Do you understand these things? So when he comes back to fight the battle of Armageddon, then that's at the end of the 30th day. Right? Now, I hope that doesn't confuse you a whole lot, but that's where we're getting these time frames from. So, are y'all with me up to this point? In Daniel uh, 12, verse 7, again, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, and uh, when he held up his right hand and his left hand in the heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times a half, when they have made an end of breaking in pieces the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. But it's three and a half years there. 12, 6 is 1260 days there, right? Okay. Let's look at Isaiah 2 2 then. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. Here we go. I'm trying to get to the kingdom age here. The 30th day after the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon is fought, then a 45 day period begins. It is a time when God begins to restore things. Number one thing, he is, first thing he's going to restore is the land of Israel. Destroyed and devastated at the battle of Armageddon. And before that, let me read to you Revelation 16 verse 19. It says, And the great city was divided in three parts, and the cities of the nations fell and Babylon the great was remembered in the sight of God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fiercest of his wrath. Okay? So what we have here in the Bible, we, have see, we see the destruction of Jerusalem. And the mountains have been leveled. They've literally melted at his presence, his coming. Jerusalem has been divided into three parts. But at the beginning of that restoration period, after the battle of Armageddon, after that destruction... Then he begins to do things in the, by way of restoring the land, the topography of the land. He starts raising the mountains that were leveled. 
at the Battle of Armageddon. And he lifts Mount Zion to a very high place. He raises that mountain geographically to a very high place, higher than any other mountain in the world. Okay? So in that 45-day period then, beyond the destruction of the Battle of Armageddon, you have the restoration. But it's 45 days before the kingdom age is set up that he's beginning to restore. Okay? Now, the Bible says in Zechariah 14.10, And the land shall be made like Oraba from Gibba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. She shall be lifted up and shall dwell in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hanil unto the king's wine press. And the, the Zechariah 14 passage is in connection to what? The day of the Lord and its destruction. But following the day of the Lord and its destruction, on the 30th day after the tribulation period, then God begins to restore Israel again, and he begins to raise her up. Supernaturally restores the topography of the land. Right? Zechariah 14, 11, And men shall dwell therein, and there shall be no more curse, but Jerusalem shall dwell safely. So there is a restoration of the land. The first part of that 45 days before the kingdom is actually set up. Verse 11. Oh, did I read that to you? I did, didn't I? Okay. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31, verse 10. After God restores the land, okay, Raises the mountains back up against. Again, Isaiah 2 verse 2 said that Mount Zion would be a high mountain. With me here. After he does that, then he gathers Israel back to their land. He restores the land. Then he restores the people, Israel, back to the land. Where are they coming from? Well, Revelation 12 talks about the woman that fled into the wilderness. So he's gathering those that survived the three and a half year of the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon. Okay? Remember Zechariah 14 when he comes back to fight the battle of Armageddon at the day of the Lord, that, that <clears throat> he stands on the Mount of Olives, it splits in, in two, and Jewish people run, the Israelites run into a place called Azel for protection. So they are protected from the battle of Armageddon, the day of the Lord, his wrath. You remember that? Well, and you've got people in the wilderness that were protected. The woman who fled into the wilderness. So what he does is he restores the land at the beginning of that 45 days. And then he restores the people back to the land. And these people that are, are being gathered are people who fled to the wilderness and were saved Whenever he came back and split the Mount of Olives, they fled into Azale. They are protected there. And so he's gathering them from these various places, from the wilderness, from Azale, and also from the nations of the world. He's gathering Israel back to their land because Israel has been given an earthly promise. And they will be an earthly people. I'm talking about living. I'm talking about the living survivors here. People just like you and me. Who made it through all of that. Through that battle of Armageddon. Okay. Bowls of wrath. The battle of Armageddon on the 30th day. They survived all of that. Israelite people. And they got bodies just like you and I do. They're not glorified. They, did, they didn't die. And so these people are an earthly people. And they've got an earthly promise. And they will dwell upon the earth. And they are seen here being restored back to their land. Jeremiah 31.10. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations. 
and declare, declare it in the isles afar off and say, He that scattered Israel will gather, the, gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. So there we see them gathered then and restored back to that restored land. But that's still not the, the beginning of the kingdom age. That's not the kingdom age. This is not the first day of the kingdom. This is happening at the beginning of that 45-day period that restores things that lead up to the kingdom. Okay? Uh, verse 11, 31, 11. For the Lord hath ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. He has redeemed him, uh, the Bible says, from the hand of him that's stronger than him, ransomed Jacob and redeemed him. Who is that one that is stronger than he? That's the Antichrist. God is showing here that he has protected his people. He has redeemed them. He has ransomed them from the one that was stronger than, than he or the Antichrist. Zechariah 14 verse 5. We'll, we'll get the wheels loose here in just a minute. Get them Get, him, get some traction, I should say. And spinning in the mud feels like, but starting to get a little traction here. Zechariah 14, 5. And you shall flee by the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake of the days of Isaiah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come. You see that? The Lord my God shall come. Which means Jesus is the Lord my God. And all the holy ones with thee. So who are these that are fleeing uh, into that valley when Jesus comes back? It is the Israelites. Israelites that have repented. Israelites that have called upon him. And as they're repenting, as they're calling upon him, he's then coming back. This is not the 144,000. This is uh, <clears throat> the, the seed of the woman that... It fled into the wilderness. This is the seed of the woman that, that is beginning to believe in the Messiah. This is the seed of the woman that, that keep the testimony of Jesus. Okay? That's who they are. They, they've got a revelation of the Messiah now. They've repented. They're calling out. And now he's coming back. And they're fleeing for protection because he's coming to fight the battle of Armageddon. And he opens up the valley there. And so this is where they're coming from at the beginning of that 45-day period, to be restored back to that restored land. Okay? So they're the ones that are protected and weren't. Isaiah 10, 20. It shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel, say the remnant, those that are left. We're talking about living Israel, those that are left. And they that are escaped at the house of Jacob shall no, shall no more again lean upon him that smote them. They will no longer lean upon the Antichrist anymore. Right? They won't put their hand on that, that bruised reed that's going to break and plunge into their hand. You understand? They won't lean upon the Antichrist anymore. They shall no more again lean upon him that smote them, but shall lean upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. So now we see them following the Lord, not leaning upon the Antichrist. This is the remnant that is restored back to the land at the beginning of that 45-day period. Now, 21, Isaiah 10, 21. A remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. Say with me, a remnant. 
They're going to return to the mighty God. What is his name? Jesus. Verse 22, Isaiah 10. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them shall return. A destruction is determined, overflowing with righteousness. For a full end, verse 23, and that determined will the Lord, Lord of hosts, make in the midst of all the earth. So this remnant is the, the survivors, right? Isaiah 66, 18. Not only is Israel seen surviving and returning unto God, restored back to their land, having been scattered, and the land being restored in that 45-day period, but also Isaiah 66, verse 18. Those of the Gentiles who survive will be brought to the throne of the Lord, the throne of His glory. This is the where the Lord is going to gather from them His sheep. You with me? Okay, so Israel is going to return back to their land. To do what? To go into the kingdom. The Gentiles are going to come out and come to the Lord. Those who have survived that battle. With physical bodies, not glorified people. They've survived the battle. They're going to come out and they're going to go to the mountain. And they, from among them, the Lord is going to take sheep. He's going to destroy the goats that gather there after the battle of Armageddon. He's going to destroy the goats. And he's going to take from among the Gentile nations the sheep. They're going to go in the kingdom. So here's the surviving Gentiles. For I know their works, Isaiah 66, 18. For I know their works and their thoughts. The time cometh that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and shall see my glory. The nations are going to be gathered. Or that word nations, Gentiles. They're going to be gathered to do what? To see his glory. They survived the battle of Armageddon. And they're going to be gathered to this mountain to see his glory. Just as Israel is gathered to that mountain. The survivors of Israel. Okay. Now Israel survived. They were protected when Jesus came back and fought the battle of Armageddon. They were protected by the Lord supernaturally when he opened up uh, the, the valley there. They fled into Israel. They were protected there. Protected in the wilderness. Okay. He gathered them when he came back. He gathered them out of the wilderness. And then we've got some of them fleeing into this valley. So Israel is protected, and so they're already saved. Are you with me? At the time of the battle of Armageddon, or right before it. But the Gentiles are after the battle of Armageddon. Those survivors, there has to be a judgment to determine the nations, who of the nations go into the kingdom. Israel has already been judged. They've already been protected from them there has been a remnant that has, that has returned to God, okay? And so they've already been dealt with. But now these nations in that 45-day period are going to begin to come out, those that survived it. And God's going to have to, there's going to be a judgment, and I'll tell you when that is. There's going to be a judgment to determine who of these Gentiles that survived are going to go into the kingdom. You understand? If you understand, lift your hands so I can... Proceed here. Okay. Now, these Gentiles that survive the battle of Armageddon somehow made it through all the seven-year tribulation period, somehow made it through the 30 days when you got the bowls of wrath poured out, and at the end of that 30-day period, the battle of Armageddon, somehow they survived all of that, 
And they're coming now to uh, the, the throne of God. Going to come, they are survivors is my point, to be judged. These Gentiles, some of them are goats. They're going to be destroyed. But some of them are sheep. Now, listen very carefully. When they survive this battle of Armageddon, and they are gathered, like it says here, to see His glory. At that point, they are not saved like you and I think about salvation. They are just survivors. They've just survived. And of these Gentiles that survive, there's both goats and sheep. And it is not until they actually see His glory that these sheep who are called the righteous... They're righteous, actually get saved. And they get saved at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. And they go into the kingdom of God. But they, okay. They survived, but it doesn't mean that they're automatically going into the kingdom. There has to be a judgment. Okay, we'll see that in just a little, in a little while, possibly. This is in that 45-day restoration period. Okay. Restoration of the land. Restoration to Israel to their land. Surviving Israelites seen there and surviving Gentiles seen here in that 45-day period, okay? Uh, let's see. Okay, Isaiah 66, 17. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go unto the gardens behind one in the midst eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse, they shall come to an end together, saith the Lord. Now, in verse 18, For I know their works and their thoughts. The time cometh that I will gather all nations or all Gentiles and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. This is at the throne of His glory. And so what I'm trying to show you is that in verse 17 and 18, we have not just sheep gathered, but we have goats gathered. We have this, the, uh, the, the people who commit abomination, feed upon swine's flesh, etc. If you eat swine's flesh, he likens it to eating a rat. And so he gathers them. And so what we have here, gathering here, these survivors are goats and sheep. Right? In that 45-day restoration period. Let me, back, let me go on again. Isaiah 56, verse 6. Also the foreigners that join themselves to the Lord to minister unto Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from profaning it and holdeth fast my covenant. So he's even talking about these nations or these foreigners that survived the, the Armageddon battle. They're going to be a part of His kingdom. 56, 7, even them will I bring to my holy mountain. Who? These foreigners. He's going to bring these foreigners to his holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of, my, of prayer. In my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. So that even the foreigners are going to be gathered to that mountain. Mount Zion, 56.8, the Lord, uh, the Lord, Lord, who gathereth the outcasts of Israel, see that, saith, 
Yet will I gather others to him besides his own that are gathered. So he's not just going to gather Israel to go into the earthly kingdom. He's going to gather surviving uh, nations and Gentiles and foreigners that are going to go into that earthly kingdom. Okay? That's during that time of that 45-day restoration period. Ezekiel 43, 12. Okay, watch this. This is the law of the house upon the top of the mountain. The whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. Isaiah 2, 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. What is this mountain? What is it called? Verse 3, And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So there will be a literal restoration of Mount Zion, a physical, literal Mount Zion. It will be, the Bible says, on the top of the mountains. It's going to be, are you with me here? It's going to be the highest mountain in the world. And on top of that restored Mount Zion, Israel is going to gather and the nations are going to gather. And on top of that mountain, God will place His holy sanctuary which is commonly translated the temple. It is, this, is, this is good stuff, man. The Bible says, let me give it to you, Ezekiel 45, 2. Not only is that Mount Zion restored, and that is where Israel is going to gather, and living nations are going to gather, but there's going to be a holy place. It will be a holy place where the sanctuary is located. I, Ezekiel 45, 2. Of this there shall be for the holy place. 500 in length by 500 in breadth, square round about, and 50 cubits for the suburbs thereof round about it. 45.3. And of this measure shalt thou measure a length of five and twenty thousand, and a breadth of ten thousand, and it shall be the sanctuary which is most holy. And so the Lord is going to set there on that mountain Zion that literal Mount Zion, he's going to set his sanctuary or his temple. That is the last thing that he does before the kingdom age begins in that restoration period. With me here? So we have a restored land. We have the the people of Israel restored to that land. With me here? We have the mountain of the Lord raised up. We have the... Those that survived of Israel gathered to that mountain. Those that survived of the nations gathered to that mountain. There in that place is located the house of God or the sanctuary of God on top of that mountain. Okay? That mountain has been lifted up higher than any other mountain there is. To the north you can see the dead corpses of the battle of Armageddon. And to the south you can see Edom and its destruction. Okay, here we go. Are y'all starting to get with me here? Zechariah 6.12 tells us that the Lord himself is going to build that sanctuary. And speaking to him, saying, Zechariah 6.12, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, 
he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the sanctuary of the Lord. The branch is the Messiah. The branch is Jesus, and it is he that will build the house of the Lord, or the sanctuary of the Lord of the temple, so that no man, you, talk, you don't have time for a man. The, the temple in, in the tribulation period has been wiped out. The land has been wiped out. The mountains have been leveled. And so when he comes back, he's restoring the land, raising the mountains, restoring the people back to the land. He is the one that's building the sanctuary in that 45-day period. You don't have time for men to go out and gather wood and sticks and stone and, and build a sanctuary. The Lord is going to do that. And he can create a whole universe by just speaking into existence. I don't have a problem with the time here. Because Zechariah 6.12 tells us that the Lord, or the branch, who is the Messiah, he shall grow up out of his place. He shall build the sanctuary of the Lord. Now, in a literal ultimate sense, that's where I am right now. But there's, there's a spiritual significance to all this also. But anyway, 6.13, even he shall build the sanctuary of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. So he at this point will be seen ruling over Israel and all the nations in the new earth. Did you hear what I said? In the new earth. Oh, hello. Now watch this. This is very, very interesting. Uh... Ezekiel 40, verse 2. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me down upon a very high mountain, whereon was, as it were, the frame of a city on the south. You with me here? So you have Mount Zion in the location of this, the whole, most holy place, the sanctuary, Mount Zion, where the nations and Israel are gathering. But to the uh, south of that, there will be a rebuilt, natural Jerusalem a city of Jerusalem will be rebuilt now let me read this to you again Ezekiel 42 in the vision of God brought he me in the land of Israel set me down upon a very high mountain whereon was as it were the frame of a city on the south so south of the summit Jerusalem will be rebuilt you with me okay now watch this. Ezekiel 48, 21. And the residue, okay, not only is there going to be a sanctuary on top of the Mount Zion, but in Jerusalem, the city, the frame of the city, the south of the summit, then there's going to be a, <clears throat> a portion of land that is allotted to King David. A portion of land a property that will be given to the prince that will rule in the kingdom age. Watch this. There's going to be a resurrect. David's going to be resurrected from the dead. And he will have a portion of land and property that will be given to him from God. Ezekiel 48 verse 21. And the residue shall be for the prince on the one side and on the other of the holy oblation and of the possession of the city 
in front of the five and 20,000 of the oblation toward the east border and westward in front of, of the five and 20,000 toward the west border, answerable unto the portions. It shall be for the prince and the holy oblation and the sanctuary of the house shall be in the midst thereof. Who is this prince? Ezekiel 37 and verse 24. And my servant David shall be king over them. And they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in mine mine ordinances and observe my statutes and do them. 37.25 And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers dwelt. They shall dwell therein, they and their children and their children's children forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. So David's going to be resurrected from the dead and he's going to have a portion of land allocated to him. He is going to rule in the kingdom age over Israel who has an earthly promise. And, I, and, and some people say only over Israel. I believe that King David is going to be, have jurisdiction not over just the surviving Israelites that are in the kingdom, but over the nations. Okay? He'll be in charge of the nations. Thank you, sister. Y'all with me here? So what we have then, we have Mount Zion restored. We have the sanctuary on top of Mount Zion. That, that most holy place is where the throne is. And then to the south, you've got Jerusalem, and then you have the portion of the prince that's allocated uh, to David, and in the middle of all of that is the sanctuary of God, <laughs> the throne room of God. Now, where in the world, or what is this throne room? Is this a literal sanctuary that's going to be built, a physical earthly temple that will be built Okay, in that 45-day period, or is that the new Jerusalem? Because the same thing that is said about that earthly sanctuary or that sanctuary that's on that mountain, the same thing that's said about that most holy place there is said about the Jerusalem of God. So I'm, I'm telling you they are one and the same. Which means at the be- now watch this. At the beginning of the kingdom age then, you will have the, dis- the new Jerusalem having descended down. And it will literally... This earthly mountain will protrude right up into it. So that the Jerusalem of God is the most holy place. It is the sanctuary and it is the throne room of God. And it is just over that physical mountain, that earthly mountain called Mount Zion. Which means in my mind... The new Jerusalem doesn't come down at the end of the kingdom age. The new Jerusalem comes down at the beginning of the kingdom age. And at the beginning of the kingdom age is when you have a new heaven and a new earth, not at the end of it. Okay? So anyway, I read you the property of the prince. Interesting stuff, isn't it? Luke 132, we have the promise that Jesus, the Lord, would rule. Now, Now, watch this. Luke 132, he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Right now, Jesus is sitting upon the throne of his father in the heavens. But there's coming a time 
when the, the throne of his father David he will be seen seated upon. That's an earthly throne. With me? It's an earthly throne. It's an earthly promise. With me here? Daniel 9, 24. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. I'm talking about the reign of Christ here, all right? 70 weeks are determined upon my people, upon the holy city, to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make a reconciliation for iniquity, for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Okay? Restoration of the land, restoration of the people to the land, surviving Israelites and surviving Gentiles go up to the mountain, Mount Zion. You with me up to this point? We have a re restored sanctuary on top of that mountain. At that point then, after that is done and completed, that 45 days comes to an end, then Jesus will sit upon that throne of David that was promised prophetically to him, to David and his seed. The Messiah. Do you understand? So I know it's located in the top of Mount Zion. That's where the sanctuary, the most holy place is located. The question is, is it a literal sanctuary or a... And I say literal sanctuary, I'm talking about a, a, a temple apart from the new Jerusalem. Or is the Jerusalem of God the sanctuary? Okay? I know what I believe. I believe they're one and the same. Let me see if I can cover some territory here with you. To anoint the most holy, right? We got that. Uh, that brings you into the kingdom age there. Daniel 7, 13. I saw in night visions, and behold, there came with the clouds of heaven, one like unto the Son of Man. He came even to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion, glory, and a kingdom. There it is. Battle of Armageddon has been fought. Restoration period, and those events I just preached to you about have taken place. Now, the Lord Jesus is receiving the kingdom. Okay? There was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations' language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. He receives the kingdom. He becomes king over the kingdom after that 45-day restoration period has taken place. But that thousand-year kingdom age is not the, the only reign that he will rule. It's from the millennium and beyond that he reigns. But there is an earthly kingdom age promise to the descendant of David that will be fulfilled and this is where he is receiving this kingdom and dominion. It's the throne of his father, David. I'm talking about Jesus is the one that's seen here. Okay? And he's ruling over the nations and languages. All languages will serve him. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Okay, that that we just saw right there, the setting up of his kingdom and his enthronement. Oh, Lord. The coronation of the king is what you see there. The start of the kingdom age at the end of the 45 days. But again, that's just the start of his dominion in an ultimate sense. 
1 Corinthians 15, 24, it talks about, Then cometh the end when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God. In Daniel, we saw him receiving a kingdom. Now we see in 1 Corinthians 15, he delivering up the kingdom to God. When is this going to happen? When he shall have abolished all rule, authority, and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. That includes the thousand-year kingdom age. That's why he's got to rule with a rod of iron. For he, <clears throat> for he put all things in subjection under his feet, but when he saith all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted who did subject all things unto him. And when all things have been subjected unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subjected to him that did subject all things unto him, that God may be all in all. So at the end of the thousand years... After he defeats Satan's rule and authorities, the Antichrist's authority and the power, the beast empire, and he defeats death. That's at the end of the, king, the thousand year kingdom age. Then he will be seen as God all in all. It's not one person of the Trinity giving another person the Trinity of the kingdom. What is seen here is this, is that he becomes God all in all. And the role of his sonship ends. It doesn't mean his body ceases to exist, but simply his role as son will no longer be needed because he will have defeated all the enemies and he will have destroyed sin and he will have destroyed death. And, and so that, that role for which he came will no longer be needed and he will be seen as God all in all, ruling in the eternal kingdom of God. Do you understand? But in that kingdom age, when he's sitting upon the throne of David, he's got to rule with a rod of iron. And there's a taint of sin there. And there are certain peoples that are populating that kingdom that can't not enter into that city of Jerusalem in the kingdom age. Okay? Revelation 20, and I'm closing. I'm closing. I'm done. Let's go to Revelation 20. That brings you to the kingdom right there. So we talked about the battle of Armageddon. That brings you to the, that, that time of destruction. That brings you to the end of that 30-day period. Then we talked about that 45-day period where you have those different restorations taking place. And then we saw him receiving the kingdom. Okay? And next week, the Lord willing, if we're still here, we have been raptured. <laughs> which is highly unlikely since the tribulation period hasn't begun, then we will continue and we will talk about the kingdom of the Lord. And we will see five eyesaws. And those five eyesaws put you in the first day of the kingdom age. The first day after that 45-day period or the, the first day after that 75-day period after the tribulation period. Put you in that first day of the kingdom. And you know what you're going to see? the first day of the kingdom age, you're going to see Satan bound. You're going to see the judgment of the sheep and goats. You're going to see the, those that were beheaded in the tribulation period resurrected. You're going to see the new heavens and the new earth. And you're going to see the new Jerusalem. All of that in the first day of the kingdom age. And I will give you scripture and I will prove to you that the new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem are all interrelated with 
the beginning of the kingdom age. Not at the end. It's not at the end of this thousand years that that Jerusalem of God comes down out of heaven and God creates a new heavens and a new earth. But it's at the same time the kingdom begins. And I'm going to prove it to you by the Bible. I've been looking at this for a long, long time. And I've made up my mind. I'm completely convinced about this. Okay? And I'm going to prove it by the Word of God. Because in that Old Testament prophet, when they talk about the new heavens, the new earth, and the, the new Jerusalem of God, it's always in sequence and in connection to the beginning of the kingdom age. Not at the end. Okay? So you're going to see some great things. And no wonder that's why he said, blessed is he who makes it to the 1335th day. Because that means that you're able to go into the kingdom of God. And you will experience a new heavens and a new earth. You will experience the new Jerusalem. In fact, you are the Jerusalem of God coming down. And that, that physical mountain, Mount Zion, will protrude right up into or right underneath the Holy of Holies, the Jerusalem of God, where you will have the earthly people, Israel, and earthly nations that are here upon the, the earth that are physical. And in that Jerusalem of God, the glorified saints are seen there. And that would be us. Amen. Good stuff. And so we'll talk to you about that next week. The kingdom age and what you will see. And then we'll talk to you and we'll ask you a question in closing. Because I'm going to finish if it takes me 10 hours. We will close and we will ask you what Jesus asked everybody at the end of, of the book of Revelation. What is your response to all of this? What is your response? Okay. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, God. Lord, I am so thankful today. I feel your peace, your liberty. I thank you, God, that you came in here and you gave.